Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to connect and celebrate with you. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life. Happy Resurrection Sunday, and thank you for telling me that back. I appreciate it. It's, it's, let's try it again. Happy Resurrection Sunday. It's, it's, uh, some of you are just staring at me. And it's good to see you, and you all look so good today. I mean, you're like in your little Sunday outfits and looking fly. It's Easter. And our band, I was telling them that they apparently thought they were going to a different church because they all wore suits today. But don't they look good? They look so good. They clean up nice. And, um, and so it's good to see you. There's a lot of you that um, I have not seen in a while, like since last Easter. And so I just want to say welcome back. It's good to see you. And I also want to tell you I'll see you again next Easter. So have a good year. And, uh, and I'll see you in a year. But um, I'm going to preach a message today. If you're ready for the word, look at t- somebody and tell them I'm ready. Come on, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I, I want to start by reading out of Matthew 28. And it's verses 1 through 10. This is the resurrection story. And it says, after the Sabbath at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. How'd you like to be that Mary? Like you need to get your last name put in there. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. It says, they went to look at the tomb and there was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. Verse 4, the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and they became like dead men. Verse 5, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come on somebody, give some praise today. He is risen I know that you're looking for Jesus. I know you're looking for Jesus. I wanted to start with this question for all of us today. And my question is this, is what are you looking for in life? Like what is it that you're actually looking for? What are you searching for? What are you chasing after in life? I heard a story about this Scottsdale couple and they were in their, uh, they they were celebrating their 60th birthdays together. And isn't that cute, celebrating their 60th birthdays? And they went to hike Camelback Mountain together. And as they were hiking Camelback Mountain, an angel of the Lord appeared to this couple. And the angel said, God sent me to ask you that you could have one wish. Each of you get one wish, but only one wish, and God's going to give it to you. And so the woman said, well, that's easy. I wish that I could travel the world. And so the angel said, done. The smoke cleared, and all of a sudden, there was a beautiful private jet for this woman to go anywhere she wanted. And then he asked the man, and the man said, the husband said, well, my prayer is that 
I would be married to a woman 30 years younger than I am. And poof, the smoke cleared and God made him 90 years old. Look at somebody and tell them that's what he gets. Come on, that's what he gets. That is what he gets. What are you looking for in life? Because I've noticed that people are looking everywhere for anything that makes sense. What are you chasing? Because I've noticed that people are chasing just about everything, trying to find purpose, trying to find happiness, trying to find fulfillment. There's people that are chasing relationships, and then that didn't work, so they chase another one, and another one, and another one. People chasing money, people chasing success, people chasing popularity or fame, people chasing pleasure and just having a good time and then another good time and another good time. What about you? What are you looking for in this life? What are you chasing? Like what would make you completely fulfilled and happy? This is what the book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible is all about. It's about a guy named Solomon, King Solomon, and the whole book is about King Solomon, who had everything, he was the wealthiest person in the world, he was the wisest person in the world, he was the most influential, famous person of his time, and he's saying, man, I'm trying to figure out what in this life is going to make me happy. This was his whole life. And so he chases money, he chases success, he chases pleasure, he chased women. The Bible says he had over 700 wives It's almost like, what are you looking for, Solomon? Like 699 didn't make you happy? Maybe that final one will bring the magic. 700 wives. And by the way, this is a side note. I feel like this is important to say because somebody needs to hear this. If you're married today, the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. If you're married today, because somebody, you've been looking over the fence and wondering, I'm just telling you, you don't have to wonder anymore. The grass on the other side of the fence is not greener. In fact, the grass on the other side ain't even real. It's artificial turf, man. It like looks good from far and it's far from good. It's not even real. The grass is greener where you water it. And so if you're married today, you need to invest in your wife. You need to invest in your husband. But that's not even what I'm preaching on today. Finally, he says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 4. He says, I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. It's meaningless. It's meaningless. Man, I have chased money, meaningless. I have chased material, meaningless. I have chased relationships. It's all meaningless. It's all like chasing the wind. What's the point? What's the point? It's like a dog chasing its tail. Have you ever seen a dog chase its tail? Like, you, listen, Mr. Doggy, even if you caught your tail, what are you going to do with it? Right? A dog chasing its tail. It's chasing the wind. And there's a lot of people in the world we live in, they're so confused. They're looking for purpose. They're looking for fulfillment, complete joy and happiness, but they're chasing the wind. When I was a young teenager, I literally chased the wind. Because I'm born and raised in Arizona. Anybody else, Arizona native, raise your hand. Raise your hand. So it's about four of us. It's good. Praise God. 
I just want everybody else to know that didn't raise your hand, this is our state. I, I, I'll let you live here, but this is my state, homie. This is my state. So, so I'm Arizona Navy. We have these things called dust devils, right? And I was like, dude, I'm running, getting in the middle of that. I told my friend, and he's like, what? I said, watch this. And I'm thinking, like, maybe it's going to take me for a ride or something. Let's see how powerful this little dust devil is. I ran and got in the middle of that thing. Nope, no ride. All it did was sandblast the living mess out of me, right? You're chasing the wind, and if you did catch it, it's not going to be what you thought anyway. It's not going to turn out. This is what Solomon was saying. He's saying, I've chased it, and I've caught it. I've chased it all down. I've been there. I've done that, and it's pointless. It's like chasing the wind. The fact is that enough is never enough in the world we live in because the world simply is not enough. That's why we need a risen Savior. That's why we need a, a Savior who loves us and can be enough. There's not enough money. There's not a person, no career, no thing that can make you completely happy. I've learned that once you get one thing, then you want to get the next thing, and then you get the next thing, and then you want to go back to that one thing. Like we're so un and discontent. And so, listen, this is the reality is that we are chasing the wind a lot of times in our lives. I mean, we buy cars we can't afford. We buy houses we can't afford. We buy into zip codes just because, well, it's the zip code, right? We buy clothes that, well, we pay top dollar for name brand just because it's name brand. And we like to associate ourselves with important names because we think other people will think more highly of us if we have certain name brands. Like, look at me. Look at me. Everybody look at me. I'm wearing this Versace jacket. Aren't I fly? It's for, this is not Versace. This is Forever 21. I just want everybody to know. This is Forever 21. It's like $28 with my discount. And I have no problem rocking a Versace jacket, but I'm not paying $2,800 for a jacket that's just like this jacket. You know what the difference between this jacket and an Armani jacket is? The price. Because they're both made in China. The price. But we like to associate with names. We all do. It's like, man, we buy into this like, oh, but I'll be more cool. I'll be more popular if I just have this name brand, if I just have that name brand. And we're buying into a name, a name, Versace. People don't even know what Versace is. It was a dude that died in the 90s. He was an Italian businessman. He was assassinated in Miami in the 90s. We don't know anything about this guy. Was he a good man? Did he have high character? Was he a good person? Did he have a, a good relationship with his family? Was he a good husband? Was he a good daddy? We don't care. It's Versace. Or as Kanye said, Versace. <laughs> we don't know and we don't care. But we associate with names. There's all kinds of names. Prada. I got me some Prada sunglasses. That's how smooth I am. His name is Mario. I mean, no wonder he went with Prada. Could you imagine? I got me some Marios, man. Look at these, man. I got some Super Marios that I'm wearing today, right? Gucci. His name was Guccio. Guccio Gucci, right? Thomas Burberry. Of course, he didn't call him Thomas. We got to come up with something far cooler than that. Charles Tiffany. But I got to have me some Tiffany and Co. 
Charles Tiff. I got one for you. Have you ever heard of this Adolf Dassler? Anybody know what Adolf Dassler? Adidas. And of course you're not calling them Adolfs, right? That's not nearly as cool. Adidas, we do this with cars too. Bentley. Oh, I got a Bentley. I got some of you got Bentleys. I just want you to know that if you have an extra Bentley, I think that is the perfect car for a senior pastor. You can give it to me. I'll rock around, pimp out through Scottsdale in my new Bentley, right? Bentley, it's a guy named Walter Owen Bentley, Enzo, Ferrari, Ferruccio Lamborghini, Ferdinand, Porsche, two men, Charles and Henry, Rolls, Royce, we associate with these names, Jacuzzi, that's two brothers' last names. You know how weird that is now that I know that? I'm going to go get in the jacuzzi. That's weird, people. That's like saying, I'm going to go get in the hern. That's my last name. I'm going to go get in the hern. My back hurts. You what? We like to associate, even Scottsdale, Arizona, and I love Scottsdale. I love our city. A guy named Winfield Scott, who was a former United States Army chaplain, but we like to associate ourselves with names, don't we? But let me tell you something, that there is a name that is greater than all those names, and it's a name that you don't have to pay for because he's already paid for you. He's already paid the high price. And how about we start associating? With the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, it's Resurrection Sunday. Anybody excited about the name of Jesus Christ? A name above all names. A name that we do know about his character. We do know about his values and his standards. We do know that he is a good, good father. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Come on, somebody give him some praise today. The name of Jesus. And, and, and I, hey, listen, I don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not disrespecting you because I know a bunch of you sitting there wearing everything I just talked about right now. <laughs> I'm just talking about what are we trying to do? Like, what is our actual motives here? What are we trying to accomplish in life? What are we trying to do? And today, I know that some of you feel like Solomon. Man, I've been chasing and chasing and chasing, and I've tried everything, and I still feel empty. That's what I want to talk about today. And if that's you and you feel like Solomon, I have a proposal for you. You've tried everything else. Why not try Jesus? Why not give Jesus a shot? I promise you, he's the missing piece, P-E-A-C-E, in your life. Give Jesus a chance. I can testify to you, standing in front of you today, that until you start chasing Jesus, you will continue to chase the wind. He is everything you're looking for. I have a message titled, I've tried everything because I've personally tried everything. And I know that most of you are right there with me. And I want to give you four reasons why you should try Jesus. This is the outline today. If you're ready, look at somebody and tell them, I'm ready. Let's go. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Number one reason you should try Jesus is because Jesus 
and only Jesus offers you a fresh start. He offers you a brand new beginning. By the way, this is what the resurrection of Jesus Christ is all about. It is about new life. It is about new beginnings. It is about a fresh start. I want to read to you 1 Peter chapter three, uh, chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Look what he says. He says, what a God we have. Can somebody please say amen to that? That's good right there. That's already good. I know he says how fortunate we are to have him, this father of our master Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life, and we have everything to live for, including a future in heaven, and that future starts now. See, God gives you a new life. He gives you another chance, and then another chance, and then another chance. How many of you feel like you're on like the two millionth chance with God? Like God is so good that he just keeps giving us another chance, new life. When I was a middle school athlete, we used to go out and play basketball and play pickup, and when you would play, in some reason in middle school, you'd play basketball, and if you made a mistake, and you say you like dribbled the ball off your foot or something. I'm dribbling, I dribbled the ball, which I never did. I was very, very, very good. And I dribbled the ball off my foot. And 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 you would say, you would say two words. Do over. And for some reason in middle school, all your homies were like, okay, sure. But then when you got to high school, they're like, no, bro, that ball's out on you. That's our ball. But he gives you a do-over. God gives you. Somebody in here needs a do-over in life today, and God is the God of do-overs. He gives you a second chance. He gives you a fresh start. One of the verses I learned when I first became a Christian, one of the first verses is, is found in the book of 2 Corinthians, and I want us to read this out loud together. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Ready? Here we go. Let's read it together. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. That's good news. That's really good news. That the old is gone is good news, and that the new is here is good news. So therefore, if, now everybody say the word if. If, if anyone is in Christ, if you're in Christ, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. And this is something that only Jesus Christ can offer. The world cannot offer you this. You cannot buy this. You cannot earn this. You cannot work for this. You cannot chase this down on your own. Only Jesus Christ offers you a fresh start today. Number two, the second reason you should try Jesus today is because Jesus offers true peace. Like, the real peace, like the peace we've all been looking for, it comes only from Jesus Christ. Now, I, I don't know about you and where you sit in life, but if I was like the dude hiking camelback and an angel showed up and he was like, PT, I'm gonna give you one wish. I'm an angel from the Lord most high. And you get anything you want, anything. You know what I'm asking for? Three of you know, I've been preaching on it for a minute now. Peace. I want peace because that is something that this world does not offer. I want peace in my own mind. I want peace in my marriage. I want peace in my 
babies in my family. I want peace in my church family. I want peace in my nation. I want peace in this world. I would say, God, give me peace. Well, the good news is God gives you that peace. He gives you that peace. And you'll never find that peace in this world. You'll never find it. You can chase it. You can hunt it down. You can try everything under the sun. And we do. Because as humans, we get so filled with trauma and drama and pressure. And life is chaotic. I say, man, I'm so stressed out. I'm so anxious. I I can't breathe. I can't think. I can't sleep. I need some peace. And so what do we do? We start looking to the world for all these ideas of peace. You know what, man, I'll just have a drink. I'll just drink myself into peace. And all you do is make your life worse. I'll just use some drugs. I'll drug myself into peace. And you make your life worse. You can pump your blood full of every drug under the sun. You go to relationship after relationship after relationship, and there's still no peace. I've been married for 24 years great years and my thank you thank you thank you anybody been married for 70 10 anybody been married for 10 or more raise their hand okay that's pretty good let's give them a round of applause anybody been married for over 20 years raise your hand come on another round of applause anybody been married for over 30 years Anybody over 40 years? Y'all don't even look 40. Are you kidding me? Over 50. 50 years? 50. Come on. I'm not going to keep going. 50 years, y'all the real MVPs. That right there is what we all need to aim for. We all need to aim I've been married 24 years, and uh, we got married. I was two, and uh, it's been a great 24 years. I will tell you this. My wife and I have a great marriage. We have a great relationship. We love each other deeply, but she doesn't give me total and complete peace. And I don't give her total and complete peace. I know that's a fact. I love my kids. I would do anything for my kids, anything. They do not give me complete peace. And they're good kids, but whew. Only Jesus can give you this true peace. First, you make peace with God, and then you get the peace of God. God gives you that kind of peace. And listen, it's not that Christians or men of God or women of God don't go through stuff, because we do. We go through some stuff. It's just that when we go through stuff, we go through stuff differently because we have the peace of God that goes with us. I want to read you a scripture, and these are the words of Jesus in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you, and my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. God's peace is not like the world's peace. The world's peace, it's artificial. It's temporary. It doesn't last. God's peace is permanent. It's real. 
It's the real deal, and it lasts forever. But what I personally love most about God's peace is this, is that it's not logical. You can't even comprehend it. It makes zero sense. Let me read some more scripture. Philippians 3, 6, and 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Here it is, verse 7. This is the one. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It guards your heart and your mind but the part I love the most is it surpasses all understanding. It's not logical. It doesn't make any sense. God's supernatural peace means that I might be going through the middle of hell, but I'm surrounded by heaven. God's supernatural peace means I might be at my lowest low, but I'm walking through my lowest low with the most high. God's supernatural peace, it means that there might be chaos all around me, but there is complete supernatural peace all within me. God's supernatural peace. I want to read to you Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. How many have a tattoo? Raise your hand. You got a tattoo? Raise your hand. This is the tattoo service. This, this is your next tattoo. Proverbs 3 and 5. This is your next tattoo. This is your next tattoo. My son has this tattoo right here on his wrist. He has a cross and he has Proverbs 3. And he put it right there because he's a basketball player. So when he's shooting people's face, he's like, that's what I'm talking about <laughs> right there. But I want to read this to you. It says Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Actually, let's read this out loud as a church family. Ready? Here we go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Don't you love that? Trust in the Lord and don't lean on your own understanding. Like, have you ever in your life thought something was a really good idea? And then, like, later down the road, you're like, that was a really bad idea. Right? Raise your hand if you've had that happen to you. Okay, good. So you're like, yeah, I'm sitting right next. I married the dude. I thought that was a good idea. <laughs> you know, the Bible says that our own minds, the heart, the human heart is full of deceit. He says, don't lean on your own understanding because your own understanding is deceitful. It's confused. It doesn't understand the way God understands because he's all-knowing. So he says, trust in the Lord. You want peace in your life? This is where it comes from. I trust in the Lord with all my heart. Number three, the third reason that you should try Jesus today is because he offers hope for your future. Hope. He offers hope. And you know this, that with God, there's always hope. Whatever situation that you find yourself in today, 
I came here today to tell you that there's always hope. There is always hope. God is our hope. The resurrection is our hope. Jesus is our hope. He's the hope for our depression. He's the hope for our addiction. He's the hope for your relationship. He's the hope for your fears and your worries. He's the hope for your shame and your guilt. He's the hope for that resentment and bitterness that you have in your heart. He is the hope for your future. Tattoo number two. Ready? I think we should just get a tattoo artist just to be in the lobby every Sunday. Wouldn't that be cool? You get a tattoo, you get a donut, a banana, and we got to be healthy and balanced, you know, so we, what's a good balance between like five donuts, one banana, and we're still healthy? Is that good? Five, five donuts, one banana. But here's another tattoo. I love this scripture. I memorized this. It was one of my first ones as well. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. And the Bible says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Read the rest with me. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's good news. That's good news. In the Old Testament, there's this prophet, and his name is Jeremiah. And there's a book about Jeremiah called Jeremiah and there's this great chapter about the potter and the clay in chapter 18 and I want to read the first four verses to you because God's talking and having this conversation with Jeremiah and he says the Lord gave another message to Jeremiah and he said go down to the potter's shop and I will speak to you there and it says so I did as he told me. How many know it's always a good idea to do what God tells you? So I did what he told me. I did what he told me, and I found the potter working at his wheel, but the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay again and started over. This passage speaks so loudly to me because of this phrase. It didn't turn out as he hoped. It didn't turn out. And sometimes life be just like that, right? Like it just didn't turn out like I hoped. My marriage didn't turn out like I hoped. My health, it didn't turn out like I hoped. I, I thought I was gonna have babies. I, I can't have babies. It didn't turn out as I hoped. My career didn't turn out as I had hoped. And, and I feel like this is something that we can all relate to, that certain pockets of life, it just didn't turn out as I hoped. And then he says, the potter crushes it into a lump of clay again. Now listen, I know that somebody here, you feel crushed. Your heart is crushed. Your mind, your spirit is crushed. If you find yourself crushed today, I want to give you some good news because the Bible says in Psalm 34, 14, that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. So if you find yourself crushed today, I came to let you know who the potter is, and his name is Jesus, and you are in the potter's hand. And the potter has not quit on you. He's just starting you over again. 
and again and again. And you know that the crushing is always the beginning of a new creation. You being crushed is you being reconstructed by your creator. Look at somebody right now and tell them he has to break me to remake me. Let somebody know he has to break me to remake me. That's not the best news I've ever heard in my life, but it kind of is. Your story is not over. Your story is not over. If you have a heartbeat, God has a purpose for your life. Your story is not over. Your story is not over. You say, well, I don't know, PT, if you knew my situation, it looks pretty over. I'd like to remind you respectfully that people thought the crucifixion was the end of the story as well. But that wasn't the end of the story. That was only part of the story. I want everybody to look at the back wall. And I, I apologize for everybody outside in the overflow because there is no back wall. But you see that cross? That cross at first on Friday was a symbol of hopelessness. That three days later became the greatest symbol of hope in human history. Come on, Impact Church, your story is not over. The fourth reason you should try Jesus, this is my favorite. I always have a favorite. And I always say it's my favorite, even though the other one was my favorite. But this is my favorite. You should try Jesus because he offers a relationship with God. He offers you a relationship with him. It's funny because one day Jesus was talking to this Pharisee. Does everybody know what a Pharisee is? Pharisee. Pharisee was a religious leader. And it's the only people in the Bible where Jesus just like constantly ripped them. Religious leaders. Like religious leaders have made a complete disaster out of who God actually is. And so he goes up to this religious leader named Nicodemus, whom I shall call Slick Rick. <laughs> Slick Nick. Slick Nicky Ricky. And he goes up to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 in verse 3, and he tells Nicodemus, he says, Slick Nick. Well, he didn't really say that, but he did say this part. He said, Unless someone is born again, they will not see the kingdom of heaven. I want to talk about this for a minute. It's very important. Maybe the most important thing you've ever heard in your life. And it's not because I'm saying it. It's because God's word says it. He says, unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. And Slick Nick, he's like, what? Like, Jesus, like, I mean, I'm kind of already been born. Jesus says, 
Nicodemus, you've been born a physical birth. But I'm talking about a spiritual birth. You, you must be born again spiritually. Because Nick goes, man, can I, how, I don't understand what you're saying. I can't enter my mother's womb again. Like, what? That's what he said. Jesus is like, no, no, no. You've already been born physically. But unless you're born again spiritually. I'm talking about a spiritual birth. you got to be born again spiritually. And then Jesus shared this message in the same chapter to the same man. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And I think... For me, this entire passage is interesting because of the religious leader part of it. It still would have been powerful. He's talking to his disciples and stuff, but he's talking to a religious leader. See, Nicodemus was religious, but he wasn't born again. He was religious, but he didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He was religious. See, listen. Religion and relationship are two radically different concepts. They are not the same. You can be religious and not go to heaven. You can do the sign of the cross until your arm falls off and not go to heaven. You can light every candle in the world and not go to heaven. You can go to church every week this church, and not go to heaven. You can buy an Impact Church window sticker for your car (laughs) and not go to heaven. Because religion, religion, I I, I hate, like almost, it makes me want to like punch somebody. The pastor punch. When somebody calls me religious, you are a man of the cloth, What? I told you I like Forever 21. Like, what? See, religious is all about ritual. But being born again is all about relationship. Relationship. Relationship with Jesus. See, God God does not want you to be religious. He wants to be in a relationship with you. Being born again is not a religious act. It's about knowing Jesus Christ, and it's about the beginning of a new life with Jesus Christ. It's a big difference between knowing about God and knowing God. There's a big difference between information in my head about God and transformation in my heart. See, some people are going to miss heaven by 12 inches. That's the average distance between your head and your heart. Because we know about God, but we don't know God. And the reason this is my favorite point is because I have been Nicodemus. I am Nicodemus. I have been where I knew about God, but I didn't know God. I have been where I thought I was religious to some degree, but I had no relationship. It's about a relationship. 
You imagine, Natalie and I have been married 24 years. Imagine with me for a minute. We get married and then we go our separate ways. And I said, babe, I'll see you on Easter. And then I don't walk in that house again until Easter. That's a lot of you today, by the way. That's a lot of you. That's not a relationship. That's checking a box. That's checking a box. God wants a relationship with you. When I was 17 years old, <laughs> I was not a Christian. I was not in a relationship with God. And I remember being at a party and we were drinking alcohol and we were getting high. I know none of y'all have ever done anything like that, but I have. <laughs> and and uh, I had this letterman's jacket on. I know the younger generation doesn't really vibe with the letterman's jacket, but back in the 90s, we were fly, you know. That letterman's jacket represented like, this is who I am. It's my identity, you know. And, and back in the 70s and 60s, it was like a letterman's sweater. And they changed to the jackets. And, uh, and so I had these, you put these patches on your arm, on your sleeve that, that represented like, you know, who you are. So I had a basketball patch, and then I had a football patch, and I had a baseball patch, because I played all three sports, and then I had a, a cross. But I wasn't born again. I, it was just like a good luck charm. I needed a cross on my jacket. And I'm at this party. We're drinking. We're smoking. And my homie goes, bro, I love that jacket. It's so dope. And I was like, thanks, man. And he's like, I do have a question. And I said, yeah. He said, what's the plus sign for? <laughs> True story. He's like, you some math whiz I don't know about? Like, what's a plus sign for? <laughs> I said, man, it's not about, <laughs> it's, it's a cross. You know, I sat there and told this dude all about Jesus dying for us and rising again. I'm drunk and high. And not saved. I had no relationship with God. There was another time, my junior year in high school, we went to the state championship for basketball. And those of you that are athletes and stuff, like, that's kind of a big deal. Like, you, you're so proud. And state championship, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to need some extra love from the big fella upstairs. So I grabbed a Bible from my mom's bookshelf at home, and I put it in my sports bag, and I took the Bible to the game. I don't know the Bible. I don't know where to read in it. I don't know anything about the Bible. It's pregame, and I'm sitting on the floor, leaned up against a locker. I said, you know what? I better read some of this. <laughs> and I don't know where to read because the Bible's 66 books within one book, and it's, it's pretty extensive. But where do you read any book when you start a book? From the beginning. So it's pregame, and I'm reading Genesis 1-1. <laughs> In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Let's go! 
We lost by two. Clearly was not the right approach. God wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to come to him and surrender everything to him. It's about a relationship. I want you to stand to your feet with me as we close in prayer together. Would you stand up with me? And I want you just to do me a favor. Would you close your eyes for a minute? And let's just act like it's just you and God for a minute. No distractions. Nobody's, we we play like we're kids. We're going to play pretend. Nobody's around you. It's just you and God. So we know that the Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, in Christ, not around Christ, not around Christians, not in church, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. That for God so loved you that he gave his only son That if you believe in him, if you believe in him, that's the beginning of salvation. That's the beginning of being born again. Belief is a step of faith, and that's the beginning of a relationship. If you believe in him. And so my proposal that I mentioned at the beginning, I said, what are you looking for in this life? What are you looking for? Have you found it? Have you found purpose? Have you found peace? Have you found joy and happiness and fulfillness. And my proposal is, why not try Jesus? What have you got to lose but to say, God, I'm all in. I'm yours. I'm in. I don't understand it all. That's why we call it faith. But I'm going to take a step today, a step of faith, to be born again to become a child of God, a Christian. And just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed for a minute, if you're here today and you say, PT, you're speaking to me, you're speaking to me, you're speaking to me, I need something in my life. I need something. I've tried everything you can try, and I'm still empty. The answer is Jesus Christ. And if you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ today, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, would you put your hand up in the air so I can see it? Come on, put your hand up high. Don't be shy. I'm the only one looking. There's probably 200 or more hands. Keep them up for just a minute. Yeah, everybody else, give them a round of applause for a minute. Come on. You you can put your hand down for just a minute. But this is what I want to do is, as a church family, All of us inside this auditorium, everybody in the overflow, I don't care if you're in your car, if you're in your house, on the East Coast, if you're in another country, I want us to pray out loud together. So I'm going to pray, and you repeat these words after me. Dear Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins and giving me new life. Fill me with your peace 
and give me your purpose. Father, today I come before you on behalf of our entire church family, and we say happy Resurrection Day to you. God, we are so grateful that you are a risen Savior. We are so grateful that you give us new life, that you give us new hope, that you're the God of many, many, many chances. God, I pray that your love and your favor and your blessing would be upon every ear that hears these words today. God, give us your favor. God, give us your favor. Give us your favor. God, we love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. We all say amen. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a round of applause today. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here. I hope I see you next Sunday, not next Easter. Bye-bye. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to connect and celebrate with you. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.